Absolutely. So honestly, you can have conversations as young with kids as young as three or four years old, because typically that's when they start saying, mom, dad, auntie, uncle, grandma, grandpa, can you buy me? Not just can I have, but can you buy me? Once kids start saying, can you buy me? It's like, huh, we can start having even what I call pre-financial education. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Tiffany Aliche, we are honored to have you as a guest on Herself. You recently made an appearance on Oprah, and you have a new children's book out called Happy Birthday, Molly Moore. You have been everywhere. I've been following you for years and seeing you grow and grow into this calling of helping people with their money has been so amazing. Can you start out by telling us a little bit about who you are and why you're so passionate about financial education? Yes. So, well, first and foremost, thanks ladies for having me on. Um, Yeah. So I am a financial educator. I started about 10 years ago during the last 2008, 2009 recession, Um, but I learned financial education at home. My father was an accountant and a CFO, and um, he taught me and my four sisters about money regularly. And so my dad was more like um, money classes, like, hey, sit down. I'm going to show you how to budget. I'm going to show you how to save. And my mom was more so, um, let me show you how to use money in the real world. When we go food shopping, I'm going to show you how to budget. But when we're food shopping, I'm going to show you how to find sales when it's time to buy school clothes. So I really was just, I grew up in the financially, like a financial education household. And I didn't think anything of it really until college. And my college roommate had um, debt collectors calling the room. And I was like, wow, there are folks who, who don't know financial education. So I started teaching her what my dad taught me. And then before I knew it, I became like the go-to girl on campus if you had a financial <laughs> question. <laughs> you know, how like some girls, you're like, oh, oh, you have to ask um, this one about like, oh, my boyfriend troubles or this one about like, what do I do with my hair? You know, it was like, oh, no credit question. Go ask Tiffany. <laughs> and um, yeah, it just blossomed from there. And then when the recession hit, everyone was struggling and I was struggling too, but I guess I was struggling less. So as a result, my, um, you know, I, people started asking me, you know, to really sit down with them one-on-one and then their friends started asking and then friends of friends. And before I knew it, you know, I, I decided, let me start a business and, and the budget Nista was born. And for those who don't remember the 2008, maybe you're too young, maybe you weren't affected. 2008 was tough. Like it was, Amy and I were just leaving college at that point, trying to find new careers. So you, yes, everyone was struggling, but you had the knowledge, Tiffany. Like you had the information from years of experience with your family and that's what just propelled you forward and using it to help your friends. Like that's just incredible. Uh, And I know right now listeners have been asking over and over and over again for financial advice. And we're going to dive right into talking through the uncertainty right now caused by COVID. So with everything going on, you leaned into teaching about it, where many people were just getting nervous about it. 
you took part in the series that you created with your financial uncertainty series, and you had a bunch of fellow experts on board with it. You also covered how to budget and save during an economic downturn. So Mm -hmm. go into just a few tips that you shared during these series. No, absolutely. Whenever bad things happen, I I go into teacher mode because I used to be a school teacher for over 10 years before I started the Budgetista. Um, So I wanted to help. I you know, when the stress comes and anxiety comes, I'm like, ah, how can I help? I'm like, ah, the one thing I do know is teaching and I do know financial education. So yes, I put together that, that awesome free series. And so my, it was an eight part series. And I taught, how do you budget during the economic downturn? And I would say one of the, the key things is first and foremost, you want to drop down and get your noodle on. That's what I call <laughs> This is why I love your teaching. <laughs> yeah, right. And so your noodle budget is you know, if you had to eat ramen noodles budget. So we've all been, so for some people it's rice and beans budget. For some people it's peanut butter and jelly sandwich budget. It just means, you know, we, there, we all have like this time in life at some point, most of us where there's not enough money to really have much more than like ramen noodles or PB and J, you know? So meaning what is your bare bones essential budget? You're just paying for the essentials. So it's not cable. It's not nails. It's not hair. It's not anything, but the essential things you must pay for. And how you know that it's a must, it's it's something that's going to keep you healthy, something that's going to keep you safe. So you likely will have to pay rent because rent allows you to live someplace safe. You have to buy groceries because groceries allow you to stay healthy. You have to pay your insurance and, and medicine. So step one, drop down and get your noodle on. Step two, if you're super fortunate and that you still have work and you're still being paid, or maybe you're getting paid via unemployment and you're able to save, I want you to save, save, save. Um, it's, it's Not everyone is able to, but if you can, now more than ever, I want you to have a strong cash reserve because we don't know how long the recession might last. You don't know how bad it might get. You don't know when you're going to be able to, to, um, to go back to your normal earning wages if your wages drop. So if you can save now, please do open up an online-only savings account and separate your savings from your checking account. So it's fine for your checking account to be like at a regular big bank, but I want your savings to be in an online-only savings account because one, they pay out higher interest, although interest rates are severely low right now. But most importantly, your money inconvenient and inconvenient money gets saved. And here's how it makes your money inconvenient. If your money is at an online only savings account and your checking account is at your regular bank, in order to transfer your money from savings to checking, it's typically at least a 24 hour wait, sometimes up to 72 hours. So you're not going to be dipping into your savings and spending it you know, easily because of that, that transfer weight. So open an online only savings account. You can go to this website called magnifymoney.com. Look for a savings account that's FDIC insured. Look for a savings account where you're going to earn the highest interest rate. Look for a savings account um, where there's no fees. Um, and look for a savings account where it, it's, it's a low deposit requirement. So you don't have to open it up with like ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, or you don't have to keep ten dollars or $20,000 in the account in order to earn the interest. So if you look for those things, you'll be good. And last but not least, number three is I would actually reduce my debt payment. So normally I am a get debt free, get debt free, get debt free girl. But during times like these, when we don't know how long recessions last or how deep they'll go or how bad they'll be, I don't want you to put all of your money toward getting debt-free. 
So like I said, this is so during recessions, down is up, up is down. So that's not normal advice I would give. The reason why is because I don't want you to aggressively pay down your debt at the expense of saving. If you already have six months of your noodle budget saved, okay, then you can go aggressive with debt. If you don't, be aggressive with getting six, six months of that essential money, essential spending, essential expenses saved. And then when you're there, then you, like I said, you could be more aggressive with your debt. So that just means I would be paying the minimum or maybe just the minimum plus a little bit to my debt right now, honestly, because I would, I, I want you to have a strong cash position during times like this. So if you do those three things, you should be in pretty decent shape. Those really made sense to me. Now, we all have different struggles. And so I know a question that came in is some of our listeners, they feel like they're so far gone when it comes to finances that Mm -hmm. they can't see light at the end of the tunnel, like they can't see their way out of debt. I know from listening to you a lot that you were once 300K in debt, and it wasn't just mortgage debt. Mm-hmm. You moved back in with your parents at the age of 30, and you were mm-hmm. sleeping in your medium sized bed as a <laughs> yes. grown woman. Yes. That's the budget Nista herself. That sounds overwhelming. These people want to know what is step one for someone that feels like they're just treading water? Yeah. And honestly, I, I think, honestly, step one is forgiving yourself. A lot of folks, they're not saying it, but they're beating themselves up because they're like, how did I get here? What did I do? I'm such a loser. These are the things I used to tell myself, like, wow, this is your life, Tiffany. And I was beating myself up, you know, like mentally and emotionally. And it wasn't until my best friend, Linda, who'd been calling for months and months and months, but I was avoiding her, called (laughs) finally (laughs) because I didn't want to share with her my shame, my shame of that, like, you know, that I was broke that I owed this much money. Yes, I I owed $200,000 in a mortgage, but I owed student loan and credit card debt to make up that $300,000. So I owed a lot of money and I felt overwhelmed and I felt like I had messed up and I felt like a loser at 30. I'm like, how how am I 30? I had a whole, I bought up my own place when I was 26 and at 30, now I'm back home. So I was telling myself all these things. And um, Linda called, my best friend, and um, she's like, what's wrong? You've been like avoiding me. You haven't been picking up. And I said, honestly, I just started crying, honestly. And I told her everything. I'm like, I lost everything. I didn't want to say. Um, I'm broke. I'm this and that. And she started laughing. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I failed to see what's so funny. And she was like, girl, welcome to the real world. Everyone is struggling. Tiffany, okay. And what I realized is that I was not alone. That you tell yourself sometimes you're the only person who is experiencing it. You're not. And she gave me the permission to forgive myself because that's what I needed. She gave me the permission to say, Tiffany, you are in a place that's that's not a place that you want to be, but you won't be here forever. And once I was able to forgive myself and to stop beating myself up mentally and emotionally, I was able to see some solutions. I said, okay, well, first things first, when it comes to money, you can either spend less or make more. I can't spend much much less than living at home on my in my extra medium <laughs> middle school bed. <laughs> we're we're at the bottom of spend less. I said, okay. <laughs> then the only other option is to make more. How can you make more? So in the beginning, it's try not to think of these big old things like I'm going to start a big old business or I'm going to invest in real estate. No, no, no. We're talking about right here, right now. So I literally started doing um, uh, focus groups, and they were usually pay about hundred to one fifty. 
So I remember I did one about Harry Potter, which I was like, yes, because I love Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) And I went online and I typed in focus groups and I found focus groups to do. Like there was, remember the Harry Potter one was, it was in New York and um, they paid, I think it was like $150 cash. And they had me sit at this computer and at the time they they were um they they were opening up Harry Potter World and Universal Studios and they wanted me to pretend to book a trip like using their website. They basically wanted to see does the website work? Is it too confusing? So I'm like pretending to book a trip and they're like it's a room with like two or three like it's a, one of these WeWork spaces, you know? So I'm clicking about, they're like, why'd you click that button? I was like, well, it says, you know, like prices here. So as I'm explaining, they're taking notes because they're trying to see how real people navigate the site. So people will have focus groups to see if the thing that they've made actually works on real people. And so I started to do that. Also, I said, okay, I can babysit. So I called all my friends with kids and everyone knew I used to teach preschool. So who doesn't want a preschool teacher as a babysitter? And so I babysat and then I started tutoring. So in the beginning, just finding ways to make something. It doesn't have to be the end all, the be all. It could be working at the mall, babysitting. It could be, there are, you know, I, I went on Craigslist and found jobs, like little odd jobs. It was just, so I had something. And as I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. So that's why I tell people who are where they are right now. If you're behind and you owe these late bills, don't worry about that right now because they're not going anywhere. I mean, I was behind for years before I got caught up. I was like, I can't worry about that. I have to worry about, do I have enough to eat right now? And do I have a place to live right now? So I need to just make enough to be okay in the moment. And as I started to make a little bit more, then it allowed me to have some space to think about alternative ways to make money. I was like, okay, now that you have your little focus group money and babysitting money and things like that coming in, okay, now I could breathe a little. And I said, okay, so what else are you really good at, Tiffany? I'm like, well, I'm only really good at teaching. And I'm like, well, people have been asking me about financial education. What if you charge folks like 50 bucks to sit down with them? So I started to do that. And, um, and I'm someone who really likes um, volunteering. So I was, even during these times when I was broke, I still volunteered a lot. And I noticed that when I volunteered, people at the organization would ask me financial questions. So then I started emailing those organizations where I volunteered and said, hey, I would love to teach financial education for you. And one of them wrote me back the United Way and was like, okay. I was like, wait, what? And so they were like, yeah, we, we, we've seen you here volunteering and our, um, our staff here would love a financial education class. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. And so I think it was like $500, which I was like, what? Jackpot. You know? <laughs> and so I, I, but the, the key is also, you have to, you have to always deliver excellence. So I came and like, I went to TD Bank. You know how TD Bank has the free pens? I took all those pens <laughs> because I was like, <laughs> I wanted them. <laughs> and I was like, I asked my friend who worked at the office. I'm like, can you make a print my printouts for me? She did. And I went to the dollar store and spent like um, $10 that I didn't have on folders because I just wanted to look super professional when I came. So I remember I didn't even have dress clothes because as a preschool teacher, where was I going? I didn't work in corporate right. America. Right. So I had like a pair of dress pants and Converse on. <laughs> I think back at it now, like how these people let me in the door. But <laughs> but one thing I was really good at was teaching. And so I taught a little hard out teaching. I think I taught like how to budget, you know? Um, and it was so good that people were talking about it. And folks who weren't there that day were like, what? I missed it. That's not fair. So they were like, well, can you come back? Because some folks missed it. I was like, oh, another $500. And then I, I, again, taught my heart out. And they were like, this is so good, Tiffany. You know, we would think, we're thinking, we'd love to do a series. Do you have a series? I was like, yeah, I did not have a series. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got one. <laughs> and 
And so um, they were like, okay, how long is it? Like literally on the spot. I was like six weeks. I was like, ah, Tiffany, what are you saying these words? I don't know. And um, they said, okay, send us a proposal. And let's see, if maybe we can have you do a series for the community. I was like, okay, proposal. Got it. How do you do a proposal? <laughs> so I asked for help. That's critical, asking for help. So I asked for help. And someone helped me put together a proposal. I did this series and they, they, um, it was a six week series and they paid me $300 a class. Now I went from focus groups at 150 bucks, helping people one-on-one babysitting for like 15, $20 an hour. And now $500 from the United way. And now the series that was going to pay me 300 times six, $1,800. You see how it starts to add up? Yes. You know, and yeah. I also just want to honor like your scrappiness and your growth because I think people could look at you now um, on Oprah and the amount of followers you have and all this stuff is like, well, she worked for that is what I'm hearing. Yes. Hard for that. Woof. Like, and I have to say, honestly, the first three or four years, I didn't really make any money. I mean, you know, I was maybe making, I want to say on average, maybe like 1500 bucks a month. Like when I started to do the series, I was like, okay, but it wasn't, it was, it was just enough. So I moved out of my parents' house and I moved in with my sister for like nine months on her couch in her one bedroom apartment. You can imagine she was thrilled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember she was like, yeah, I'm moving um, because I'm like, this apartment is, you know, she's like, I want a different apartment that I was like, no, she's like, no, I'm moving. Uh, you have about a month to figure it out, Tiffany. I was like, no, I'm your sister. You're going to be in the street. She's like, you're not going to be in the street. You can always go back with mommy and daddy. I was like, uh, that's not, a, that's not an option. I don't want to go back there. So I was like, so I was able, I was getting paid just barely enough to rent a room. Can you imagine? I, I used to own a whole condo and I went from that to in my thirties, renting a room, a friend of mine, because it, it was still the recession. And so a friend of mine um, who I used to volunteer with, her name was Diessa, and she was like, um, I don't know if she heard me talking where I was like, oh, my sister's going to kick me out. And she was like, you know, I live in this really beautiful brownstone. And I was like, okay. She was like, um, I'm the only one in there and I rent it by the room and my rent's only 500 bucks a month. You know, I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I could swing 500, which, you know, which is so low, but I still didn't think I could afford it. Um, but then once I got the United Way contract, I was like, okay, I think I could do it. And um, so she showed me that the, con- the the brownstone was really beautiful. And sure enough, all the rooms are empty. And she's like, I'm nervous that the lady's going to fill it with all these strangers. Let's see if we can find other friends to live here. I was like, okay. So that's what we did. We like told all of our friends like, hey, you're looking for a room? Because so many people had lost their jobs and were struggling too. And so we were able to fill that house with other people like other all girlfriends of ours. So it was honestly like such, it was almost like a sorority house. I was never yeah. in a sorority, but I assumed that's how it was. <laughs> but it was fun. It was like, we were all in our early thirties and it was like, woohoo, we had this house full of like awesome women. There were, it was Nina, who was a graphic designer, Joy, who was a dance teacher, Diessa, who was a gym teacher and um, owned a nonprofit and myself. And so it just, honestly, it was that those were, it's, it's, even though it was some of the brokest times in my life, it was some of the best times in my life because I got to live with my friends. My first book, uh, The One Week Budget, Nina, who was um, a graphic designer, designed the cover. So literally, I just had to go downstairs and knock on her door. Hey, Nins, can you, can you design my cover? I don't have any money. But I'll clean, because <laughs> we would take turns cleaning. I'll, I'll do your kitchen this week. And she's like, okay. Right? Or like, I didn't have enough money for um, an editor. But I was like, yes, I you read well, you write well, read my book and make edits. <laughs> that was my editor. <laughs> and so it just, honestly, it was just amazing times. And we, because Nina had her own job, she used to kind of like 
teach us lessons, or her own business, teach a, a graphic design and teach us lessons about how to grow our businesses. And, um, and so it just, it was just a collaborative space. But from there, I learned to be more resourceful of how to grow the budget. He's still like, okay, well, the United Way pays me. That's great. I wonder if anybody else would pay me. And I remember wondering, how did you get into the school system? So I was talking to a friend of mine, like, you know, how do people teach in the school system? And he was like, I don't know. But I know that um, my brother who goes to um, college, he just became like vice president of like the junior class and they just hired a speaker. I'm like, wait, the kids in college hire speakers? He said, yeah, I'm like, put your brother on the phone. And I was like, hi, brother. So wait, how does it work to speak at colleges? (laughs) And he was like, typically in the beginning of the year, the university creates a budget and then they give money to each of like the, the fraternities, the sororities, the, the, the student council, all the, like they give you their money and then you have an advisor, but ultimately the kids get to decide They're like who they want to hire to speak or whatever. And I was like, what? Well, how do you guys decide? He was like, I don't know. We just pick. I was like, well, pick me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, okay. I was like, well, cause you know, I was like, I could teach you guys how to budget. He was, he was like, okay. And it was just that easy. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what? And they paid me $1,700 for like a two-hour talk. I couldn't believe it. That's when I was like, light bulb. So I started hitting up all these other colleges and started speaking because what I made in six six weeks at the United Way, I can now make in two hours speaking at a college. And so it started to grow for me. It was like, you do a thing, you do a thing, you do a thing. You ask more questions, you ask more questions, and then you make a move and you take action. So yeah, yeah I so, love that you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta ask the question to mm-hmm. to get the door open. Um, I really like that you brought up shame around money and beating yourself up because I can wholeheartedly agree and tell you that that is a place that I was. I was really not managing my money well at all, and I mm-hmm. decided to practice avoidance. So yes. I just like wouldn't open up bank statements and things because I just didn't even want to think about it. Um, and and so that is part of my history with money. And I think if more of us can open up about that so that these people that are struggling right now know that they aren't alone and that you can get further down the road, you can get out of that. Um, but then later on, I when I got married to my husband, one thing that we've practiced since day one is financial transparency. Mm-hmm. So I, I gained a husband and an accountability partner because I had to open the door on what I was doing. And one thing um, for me was that I had to shore up my spending. So I was not on a noodle budget. I was spending way too much money. Um, but a lot of our listeners had questions about what to do if you and your partner have different perspectives on what you should do with money. Like, do you have couple? Do you have um, suggestions for couples that continuously argue about money? Absolutely. So I love that you practice financial transparency. My husband and I do as well. Um, so first things first, but we weren't always on the same page, you know. So I remember he used to say I was a budget needs to bully because <laughs> I'm way like, what are you doing? Where's that money going? Oh my gosh, we got to do this. He's like, everyone's not a budget needs to, you're a bully. <laughs> and meanwhile, he's six, six, right? So I was like, <laughs> so I just, so I realized, okay, 
this is not working. He, it's making him feel upset and it's making me feel upset. What can I do? Because I wanted him to save more. Because My husband's actually not a big spender, but he's a big giver, which is a good thing until it's not. So it, it will like, so if let's just say he has a hundred dollars and he's going to go food shopping. By the time he's done, he's given like, you know, 70 of it away. Like, oh, my friend needed a haircut and he didn't. And then my other friend and then my brother and then my sister. And then, and I'm like, so with $30, we're going to go food shop. Like, what? Ah, what are we like? You're giving away everything. <laughs> you know, there has to be some sort of strategy in place. So, and I felt bad because I didn't want him not to be a giver, but I wanted him to give strategically. So I thought, so how do I, how do we get on the same page? And so when it, what I tell couples is this, is that find a common denominator that you both agree on fully. And so um, before I met my husband, he had a daughter. And by then, I think she, uh, I call her Supergirl. Supergirl, I think by then it was like maybe like five or six. And so I would say that's the one thing we could both agree on. I said, okay, I see that you've, you know, given money to, to this person. Have you also put the same amount of money in Supergirl savings account? And he'd be like, no. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I would think that your daughter is the, it's even more important to make sure her future is secure, that I don't mind giving, but you should always, you should also be giving to make sure that her future is secure. So it was the thing that we didn't fight about. Like, well, of course we should put money in Supergirl's account. So it was the first time I could really get him to start saving because it was like, it wasn't this feeling of Tiffany's forcing my hand. It was like, this is a good thing. I want to set aside money for my daughter. And so that was our foundation. And honestly, for a year, that was like basically it. It was like, we agree money for Supergirl. And so I travel a lot. So me and my girlfriends, we used to go on vacation and things. And, um, and my husband was like, oh, I want to go. I was like, well, I put money in a savings account for vacations. I don't just like go, you know? So if you want to go on vacation, you know, you should open up a savings account and set aside. So that way, next time I'm like, oh, I want to go to Greece. You're like, I can go too. And so he was like, okay. So that was their second, we both agree upon, even though it wasn't like I, I wanted him to like save for a wedding and, and budget better. But I'm like, Tiffany, one step at a time. We both agree upon this, no arguments. So he started saving for um, his vac- for the vacation fund. In my mind, I was like, mm, that vacation fund's a wedding fund, but whatever. I was <laughs> <laughs> starting small, right? And then he realized like, okay, I, he started to realize like, I want to save more and do better. I was like, well, have you ever done the budget before? He was like, kinda. And I was like, well now, but you see now, because these are things he's like, I want to save more for Supergirl. I want to save more for vacation. Is there a way I can do better? Then it opened the door to say, well, let's sit down and look at your budget. So we wrote down all his expenses and what his take-home pay was. And I said, okay. I said, you know, there's an extra few hundred dollars here. Do you know where it's going? He's like, no. I'm like, most people don't know. I said, what if we definitively make it go somewhere? And, you know, because he, he, he's not going to be like me. I don't mind counting every penny. I enjoy it. But that's not going to be him. So what we did was we wrote down, okay, this is how much money should go in your bills account to pay bills every month. This is how much money should go into Supergirl's account. This is how much money should go into your personal savings. And then this is how much money should be left over for like spending. And so what's so great is that most companies, you know, most medium to big size companies will act, can actually, HR can split your paycheck. So it was like the best thing ever for him. So we wrote down on a piece of paper, I was like, go to HR and say, hey, moving forward, when you're sending me my money, send it to me in four different 
four different, send it to me in four different accounts. I want you to put this much money into Supergirl's account, this much money into my spending account for checking, this much money into my checking account for bills, and this much money into my personal savings. So it was like awesome. So it's like he didn't actually have to budget. It's like before the money got to him, it was split. And the only money that was really left for him to spend was the money that was in his checking account for spending. Now he could use that spending money to help his friends and family and things like that, or he could use it for whatever he wanted, but he knew I'm not spending Supergirl's savings. I'm not spending my savings and I'm not spending um, the bill money. So that helped tremendously, but we first had to find a common ground. And for those of you who aren't using this, this is gold. And it sounds really confusing. You're like, wait, you're going to ask HR to split it up. But Colin and I do this. We've been doing this for, I don't know, seven or eight years now. And it started when we were planning our wedding. So exactly what you're talking about now with planning our wedding and figuring out where can we have money automatically go to a savings account that we don't see, that we know it's there, but it's coming right from HR. So an awesome way, we're still doing it because it goes into our separate individual accounts to pay our personal credit cards and then into like the big one where our big bills come out of. So one phone call to HR, one form to fill out and you can be so set. I also love that you're, you call your um, stepdaughter Supergirl. It's just the absolute cutest. Yeah, so. well, that's because I call my husband <laughs> Superman. So, <laughs> Oh, it's adorable. And we have questions come in all the time, Tiffany, about how do we teach our kids about money? When do we start? What words should we be using? And you have an entire book on this topic. And your dad was a father to five girls. That's what I'm (laughs) hearing. (laughs) Also in the financial industry. And he talked to you guys about money every single week. Now, do you have regular conversations with Supergirl about money? Is this something you sit down with? Do you recommend having these conversations? Absolutely. So honestly, you can have conversations as young with kids as young as three or four years old, because typically that's when they start saying, mom, dad, auntie, uncle, grandma, grandpa, can you buy me? Not just can I have, but can you buy me? Once kids start saying, can you buy me? It's like, huh, we can start having even what I call pre-financial education talks. And you're likely already having them. So for example, this weekend, I was babysitting my niece and my nephew. My niece just turned three and my nephew is um, four going on turning five in in a month or so. And so Roman and Amelia, um, so one of the things, a pre-financial education lesson is sharing because donating, you know, starts with sharing and learning that everything doesn't belong to you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always teaching them like, okay, you have to share. Like a, they have like, a, they have like, you know, their mom tells me they can only have like, you know, like 30 minutes worth of screen time. So they know to get my phone. Somehow they know how to unlock my phone because kids know everything <laughs> and, um, And so they also know the YouTube kids app. So they click on that and then they choose. And so I heard Amelia say, okay, Roman, I go first, I pick first, and then you pick second, okay? And so I was like, so that's a pre-financial education lesson, sharing, giving, right? And so you can have those kind of conversations with kids or even when you're going to the supermarket and, and, you know, because at three and four kids are wanting you to buy them something. So maybe you're letting them know, um, I'm only going to get one thing. And so they learn that like, okay, I'm only going to, I can pick one thing when we go down a certain aisle. So teaching them even that, that's pre-budgeting. But for Supergirl, she's older. So even when I came into her life when she was five or six, I used to use the word budget. So I wanted her to know the actual word, you know? So we, she loves um, cr- um, uh, like crafting. And so she loved staples. And so I would go to staples and at first she just thinks she would get whatever she wants because that's what her dad used to do when they would go shopping that she could get whatever she wanted. And I would say, no, you know, um, I have a $5 budget for you. 
And she's like, well, what's that? I'm like, well, that's the amount, the, the amount you can spend up to because you only have $5. So at first she was like, I don't get it. And it took a little while. And she actually began to enjoy having the $5 budget on the occasion. Every It wasn't every time we went out either. It was on the occasion that we went out and I decided I was going to give her a budget or I remember um, my, her father and I, and, and she, we went to a, a festival, an, out, an outdoor street festival. And I said, okay, you have a $5. She asked me, Tiffy, what's my budget? And I was like, it's $5, but you don't have to spend it on food. Your father and I will pay for that. And we'll, we'll buy one activity for you. Like, cause I knew she was wants to get face painting. Like, and I knew that was going to be more than $5. So to see her walking around with her little $5, looking at each thing and deciding like, oh, this is $3. It will leave me with two. Oh, this is $4. It will leave me with one. That's what you're wanting. Yeah. You know, that's, that's age appropriate financial education is when you're going out giving, now that she's um 13 going on 45, um, <laughs> she, <laughs> she now knows. So the other day she was like, um, she was like, because I'm a business owner. She's like, I want to start my own business, Tiffy. I was like, oh, that's great. She's like, I want to start a lip gloss business. I said, okay. And she's like, I added up all the things that I need and I put it on Amazon. And she's like, it's only going to be $450. I said, okay. She's like, yes, yeah, so I just need $450. <laughs> like, Investor pitch. Right? I said, okay. And I told her this. I said, put together a business plan. Here are the components of a business plan. Then I gave her a link to watch um, um, a Shark Tank op- episode. Cause I told her, I want you to see, you know, the, the types of things that Shark Tank folks ask for. And I was like, and then I'm not going to give you 500, $450. Um, but I will, because I want you to earn, if you can, whatever you earn, I will match it. So she was like, Ugh. at first I could tell she was like, just give me the money. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> but what ended up happening is, is that um, one year uh, for Christmas, I think last year, someone gave her like a bracelet making kit with all these, like a million rubber bands. So she started making these rubber bands and selling it to like her family and, and, and friends. And I think they were like, each bracelet was like $3. And of course we all said, yes, it was these cute bracelets. So she started making that money. I think she made like 60 bucks. And I was like, oh, so she was using, that was her seed money. So she had this bracelet making kit someone gave her. Now she's selling the bracelets to earn the money for the lip gloss kit. So she made 60, I matched her. And so it wasn't the 450. I'm like, well, then you're going to have to decide how, what you don't need when it comes to, you know, whatever components you need for this lip gloss kit. Um, So those are lessons that you can teach in the moment that, you know, like that if we're going somewhere, giving your child a budget, if they're old enough, letting their budget be what's in their piggy bank. So now she's at an age now where if we go somewhere, you're not getting anything, you, you know, you have a piggy bank, go look, there's no money in there. Then your budget is zero. If there's $5, your budget is $5. And so she's learned like, okay, you know, she, and you should see her vision board um, on it. It's like, I'm going to be a businesswoman. I'm going to make a pile of money. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I, I Can we see this? <laughs> I know. I feel like I don't, I wouldn't want to, um, disturb her privacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but I was just like, I was so surprised because you know, sometimes you think that kids are not listening because her dad, I'm always like, oh, you know, kids don't listen. I'm like, oh my gosh, shit, like Supergirl does not listen, you know? And she's like, you have no idea how much she wants to be like you, Tiffany, as much as she's like, whatever, you know? But like, and then when I went in her room to get something, I, when I saw the vision board, I was like, oh my gosh, she is listening. She's just pretending not to. <laughs> yeah. I love what you're sharing here because giving our kids like a little adversity and budgeting, like yes. having them be mindful of a budget it makes so much sense when you say that because that's what we need to instill in them. But I think a lot of parents nowadays, and I'll include myself, like we 
say yes too easily or we don't want them to have that adversity. You know, we want to make them happy, but I can see how it would really pay off. Mm -hmm. You have to, because here's the thing. Easy doesn't teach you anything. That's the problem is that if you make everything super easy for your kids and you give them everything, they never get a chance to learn. And so we're not talking about like, you know, like, you know, leaving your kids in the forest and saying, come back, you know, <laughs> like, it's okay if they don't get the doll when you go to Target. Right. You know, they're going to cry. Yes. They're going to be disappointed. Yep. But guess what? I mean, I remember there was a time when um, uh, Supergirl was younger and she was really into like, you know, little, little um, uh, dolls. And she was like obsessed with like doll food and like, oh, you know, and I remember she, her dad would buy her all these doll food things. And I'm like, enough already. We have like a thousand bags of doll food. And um, one day we were cleaning her room and we pulled out a bag. I guess they went to the dollar store and the bag had not been opened. It had like three bags of like this plastic doll food. And I said, well, when's the last time you went to the store to buy doll food? It had been months. So she had come home from the store months ago, didn't even open up this bag of toys that your father bought you, put it under the bed. And I was like, this is what I was telling. This is what I was talking about. This is waste. And you're feeling guilty. Like, oh, if I don't give it to her, she, it, it, it doesn't matter. She doesn't care about it as much as you think. It's just in the moment she's a kid to so her impulses. I want a thing. It's okay for a kid to want a thing and not get a thing. It's like, right. you know, like, so- in, it's so when we're at Target and mm-hmm. our kids are having a meltdown, just tell everyone we're having a financial lesson here. <laughs> yes. Keep moving. <laughs> or figuring out like, what does it look like? Because, you know, it's like, oh my God, sometimes you're just like, so even during those moments, so obviously while you're, while you're working on teaching your kid, they can't have all the things. It doesn't mean that um, in the moments you can't figure out, well, what does it look like? You know, that, um, so Roman is four, so he might be too young to say, well, here's your dollar to pick out the thing that you want, but maybe it looks like, um, you know, you can play with the toy, but it stays here, but you're teaching that lesson even at home, right? Cause most kids want to bring toys with them to school. Remember the rule, you can play with the toy, but it stays here. So maybe that's what it looks like. It's like, remember the rule that we do at home for school, you can play with the toy, but it stays here. So you're allowing them to hold the toy or play with the toy and it stays here. That might cause, depending on what kind of kid you have, that might cause a, a bigger uproar, but you're wanting to find ways. And sometimes it is just going to be, they're going to have that meltdown and you're just going to be like, okay, well, we're going to have to go, you know? So, I mean, Roman has meltdowns. He didn't want to eat his rice, even though he asked for the rice. And he's like, no, I want ice cream. I was like, no, no, I want ice cream. So we did the countdown. He hates it because they do that at school. I was like, okay, three, two, one. He was like, no. Even though one doesn't lead to anything, really. (laughs) Right? And I was just like, well, no, there's no ice cream. And Amelia, who eats everything, was like, "Um, I finished my food. I would like ice cream. And then he really had a meltdown. So, but, and then that was okay. The kids used to have meltdowns when I used to uh, teach preschool. I remember there's one boy, Wayne, every day, he used to have a meltdown and cry. And it would be over nothing in particular. He just wanted his way or wanted to take a toy from someone. And I allowed it. My only rule was that he had to use the crying pillow. Because he would like lay on the ground and thrash about. I'm like, no, 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 Wayne, go get the crying pillow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so after a while, he realized, huh, no one's paying attention to my tantrum. The kids knew because they knew Wayne cried every day. After like a week, like it was definitely nerve wracking. Like I wanted to be like, Wayne, no more. But I'm like, no, no, no. He has to learn that crying doesn't get him any attention. But when he stopped, it was like, yay, Wayne is back. Wayne, give me a hug. Wayne, let's play. Wait. So it's like, wait, I get rewarded for good behavior, but bad behavior gets ignored. 
Okay, got it. So you don't want to reward kids. I know kids who get bad grades on their credit card, on their um, report card and, and still get like all the presents. I'm not saying kids should get nothing, but we have to be mindful of not rewarding the behavior we don't want. Hey, buy the thing. Okay, fine. Okay, well then what that tells me is crying gets me stuff. That's a terrible lesson to learn, you know? And, you know, and let people, I mean, people are going to stare when your kid cries at, at the store. I mean, but how many kids is not, how many kids are not crying at Target? It's all over. You see poor, you know, especially poor dads are there with their kid. You can tell they're like, I'm over it. I'm like, it's okay. Kids are crying. They're not dying. You know, that's the tools they use to, to get what they want. You just try your best not to give in. Okay. Staying right along this subject, because I'm really interested in what you have to say about this is... Um, talking about college expenses. So Abby and I both have college savings plans set up and we're very mindful of this potential upcoming expense. So how do you recommend um, starting these funds? Is this something that most people should be doing if they have the space to invest their money this way? And then would you pay like a hundred percent of Supergirl's tuition um, for her to go to college? So I, if you, if we have it, yes, then yeah. I would, right? Um, because I think if you're able to allowing your your kid to start off without being in the hole. So when I graduated my undergrad degree, my parents paid for a lot of it, but I also commuted to keep the cost low. And so when it was all said and done, maybe I think I owed like maybe fifteen or twenty thousand dollars, but I paid that off in like a year or two, you know, because it wasn't like the hundred thousand that most right, people the crushing. Mm-hmm. And then when I got my masters, it was fifty thousand dollars that I owed. But honestly, I and normally I would have been able to pay that off in a few years too. But then the recession happened. But so if I have it to pay, we're setting aside Supergirl's money now. If we have it to pay. Um, yes, within reason, but honestly, if she goes to school and it's like a hundred thousand dollars a year, I'm not, we're not. Cause then it's going, it is not your job as a parent to sacrifice your future for your kid's current education in that way. Because here's why the best gift that you can give your child is not to be a financial burden on them when they're adults. So let's just say Supergirl college is a hundred thousand dollars a year. And, you know, we're not like super, super, super wealthy to pay that where it's like, oh, it's nothing. Then that means we would be paying 400000 that we could use for retirement so we could not be a financial burden on her when she's an adult. Because as it is right now, my parents don't need me financially. It allows me to be able to fully take care of my family right now. So I much rather that parents actually put their money toward their retirement and, and help their kids if they're able help their kids, you know, with scholarships, help their kids, um, you know, with some of the payments, but largely allowing your child to um, navigate financial education with with your help, but meaning paying for that themselves because they're young and they're young enough to pay it back and recover. Because by the time they're in their late twenties and thirties and they're ready to start a family or in their forties to be able to say, oh my goodness, I have to also take care of my mom and my dad and my kid and my significant other. That's a lot. So not being a financial burden is a much bigger gift than like not than paying for everything right now if you can't do both. So what you can do is you have the 529 plan, which I'm actually not a huge fan of because the way things are going now, I don't know if, um, if everyone's going to college. So what we decided to do instead is we, cre- we opened up a custodial account and it's, it's a financial account set up for typically a minor. And, um, 
and the legal guardian or custodian, like we, we, we put money into that account, but I make sure like this custodial account is specifically for Supergirl, or I have one for Roman. I have one for Amelia as well. So um, I like custodial accounts because you can put money in there and invest it and, and set money aside, but the money there doesn't have to be used for a specific program like like the 529 um, college plans. So it allows that whatever we're going to do with that money later, I can decide whatever that's going to be. And so that's what I prefer for, um, for minor children. Well, yeah. And it sounds like you have an entrepreneur on your hands. So that could be. <laughs> with that yes. custodial plan, is there any tax benefit to it? I know that's um, one thing with the 529 that people are, are definitely. Yes, they do in. feel like that. And, and honestly, there, there isn't. Um, and so, you know, and, and, and that's something to, to consider as well, that there is no tax benefit. And I will say this, not that I dislike a 529 plan. I'm just, there is one, there's a tax benefit. And also two, I will say that 529 has expanded how you can use it. You can actually sometimes use the, um, the money in your 529 plan for all kinds of education. So not just education, um, college education, you can actually use it for like childcare. Um, you can use it for child, um, edu- um, financial I mean, education before a child even reaches college. So there are definitely a lot of benefits, obviously, the 529 plan. But my concern is just the way education is going. Um, so we have a 529 plan for, for Supergirl. But for example, for Roman and Amelia, they're so young at only three and four. I mean, who knows you know, by the time they're ready in 15 years, what college is going to be. So I didn't want to get locked into a plan that might not make sense for them in 15 years. I'm learning so much right now. And as people who think that we know a decent amount about money, I just, every single time I talk to you, Tiffany, I just learn so much more. Amy has three little boys. I have a daughter and a son, but also one on the way. We're not quite sure if it's a girl or a boy yet. And I think it's so interesting how boys and girls are taught about money differently. Women are really taught to save, 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 where men are more taught to invest and to build that wealth. Women are taught to cut back on their spending, but you learned growing up that you don't have to over-sacrifice, that you also have to grow wealth. So when I heard you say that, it made so much sense. Both Amy and I talk about how Drew and Colin are definitely the investors and Amy and I are more of the savers. So how do we start to level the playing field and really educate both genders that growing wealth and investing are both important? So, yes, definitely women are are taught to, and always, right, to be the safe, secure place to save, to save, to save, conservative, conservative, conservative. Most women would not consider themselves investors um, because there's a fear factor. Well, I don't know. But your brain is honestly no different than a man's brain. And how does he know? He doesn't know either. He's just, <laughs> he's just going for it. Um, so one of, the, one of the things I've been talking about lately is that we have to remember that debt-free does not equal wealth. And it's a hard thing to hear because we hear a lot of people really preach debt freedom, which I totally believe in. I am completely debt free with two cars, two homes, paid off my parents' house, paid off my student loan debt. I'm debt free. So I'm not anti-debt freedom. I just believe that debt freedom should be a byproduct of growing wealth. So debt freedom should not be the goal. It should be a goal, not the goal. And here's, here's an example. Like I mentioned Roman before, like Roman is four. And Roman is debt-free. He doesn't have a mortgage. He doesn't have a car note. He doesn't have student loans. Roman doesn't have any debt. Woo-hoo, but Roman is broke. <laughs> Roman came over here. He, I bought them pizza. They, they ate all the pizza. He didn't give any money toward the pizza. Roman doesn't have any money. He's broke. So you can be debt-free and broke, right? So people think like, oh, if I'm debt-free, okay. If you get debt-free, that's all you'll really get. 
But what I want people to do is to focus on growing wealth because when you, so not to not pay off debt, but to almost set it and semi forget it, not to be only to be super aggressive with high interest rate debt. So typically credit card debt. But anything outside of that, so low interest rate debt, so maybe your mortgage is low interest, so anything under 6%, maybe your student loan, maybe you borrowed, you have a loan in general, these are um, low interest, maybe maybe your car, your car note might be under 6%. So being really light on paying that debt, you know, but kind of set it and semi forget it. Aggressive to high interest, not aggressive to low interest. Once you get down to just low interest rate debt, I want you to switch your aggressiveness to growing wealth. Pay that debt. Pay the minimum plus some, leave it, and then get super aggressive with your money, your time, and your energy into growing wealth. Because you'll get to a point where that wealth will will out out earn what the debt is costing you, and you'll be able to pay off that debt much faster. Well, I have to say you've been instrumental for me because I, like I said, I've been following you for so long, and I got really obsessed with debt freedom. And you and my husband were like, dude. Also, there's this way too. Like there is a way that you can balance both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes a lot of sense to me. But I know that times are so uncertain right now with everything going on and that there there will be a lingering impact on our economy. So how are you coaching people that felt like they were ready to take the plunge to start investing, to start growing wealth, and now they feel really hesitant or scared to do so even if their financial picture hasn't changed? Well, I think that at the end, we all have to go back to the fundamentals, which is first things first, you know, it to to set aside for retirement. Second thing, second to create a budget. Third, paying off high interest rate debt um, while saving, and then fourth, investing. Like that. That's really the, the order of things. And there, what what I learned when I was going through my struggle is that um, you're not always able to hit all of those things. So you hit them in the order of what you can. So first. Retirement and just uh, just um, budgeting. Okay, that's all I can do. I I can't even pay down debt. I can't even save. I can't think about investing. That's fine. So you're starting to do a little bit better. You're like, okay, I can do retirement, some budgeting, and I can pay down a little bit of debt and save at the same time. Great. Okay. And then as things get a little better, but do you see you 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 have to do what you can until you can do more, and I, it can be overwhelming, and it's and, and it's okay. If that's so, you might think to yourself, yeah, but I owe, I owe back that. Yes. And so did I, and I didn't get to it for a little while, you know, um, financial stress is like a whole different level of stress. So I, I really encourage people to take care of the here and now before they take care of the past, you know, like, oh, I owe these past things. And I'm like, well, they're just going to have to wait. Cause I want you to be okay in the here and now until you get to a stable place. Then you can start looking about looking, looking back and say, okay, so how do I get, how do I get current on some of those back things? So the key is really just like one, like I said, forgiving yourself two, following those steps, retirement, budgeting, debt and savings, debt, meaning high interest rate debt and savings at the same time. And then um, low interest rate debt and investing. If you follow those steps and do what you can, when you can, you know, one foot in front of the other, things do improve. I love that. One foot in front of the other. Don't try to run a mile right away. Just mm-hmm. focus, rock out on step one, step two, 
before you get further down the road. So if we talk about step two, budgeting, um, a question that came in from our listeners is, do you have budgeting tools or apps that you recommend specifically? I know that Mint sounds like it's a pretty popular one, but what, what does the Budget Nista recommend? I honestly like good old-fashioned pen and paper or Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we do, Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> um, but don't get me wrong. There's other ones. Like, yes, Mint, I've heard really great things about. There's also You Need a Budget. It's Y-N-A-B, I believe. I've heard really good things about them and their app. Um, those are probably the two that I've really heard. Like, I, you know, I've got a large audience and I listen to, like, what tools they're using and they like. And those are the tools, too, that I've heard really not too many negative things about if you're someone who needs... um who needs an app. Um, but like I said, I like good old fashioned pen and paper. And um, if I'm trying to be fancy, I like um, an Excel spreadsheet where I just put my <laughs> things in. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Like you also too want, even with you need a budget or mint, the truth is you're probably going to have to start with pen and paper anyway, before you can start plugging things in. Um, so don't be afraid to just bring it bring it back to the basics before you use any fancy tools because I also want you to know how to do it without the fancy tools because they might not always be available to you. When I think in this world, everyone just wants a tool. They think that, oh, if I have a tool, then I'll be able to budget. But we also just have to be able to budget. And we could talk to you all day about this. It's so awesome hearing your financial perspective always. And we want to thank you not only for being on herself, but also for what you're doing in this world. You're really helping people understand, you're helping them navigate. And that's so important because it, in, it impacts everything. It impacts quality of life, it impacts our health, and it impacts our children and what they're going to see going forward. It's so important to Amy and I, and I know that it's really important to our followers because we continuously get these questions over and over again. So Tiffany, let us know where can our listeners find more of you? So I am the budget Nista on all the social platforms. So that's um, the budget Nista on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. I'm even on TikTok, although I don't TikTok because <laughs> Supergirl won't teach me how. She's like, no. <laughs> but also the budget Nista.com. At the budget Nista.com, um, I have free resources like the Live Richer Challenges that you can lean into. Um, and if you're wanting to start teaching um, age-appropriate free finan- well, pre-financial education to your little one, um, you can get my children's book, Happy Birthday, Molly Moore, at um, mollymore.com. That's M-A-L-I for Molly, M-O-R-E.com. Perfect. Everyone, go follow Tiffany. I, I'm just telling you guys, I've learned so much from her over the past couple of years. And she delivers the information in a way that is um, very watchable and exciting and not so uh, boring. <laughs> so thank you so much, Tiffany, 